Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Scene Podcast. I'm Jeremy Safran. TGSP is the top global cannabis podcast. Everyone has questions and we'll cover the stories that matter and showcase the guests who make a difference. This week on TGSP, we were lucky enough to be invited to the Gravitas Growth Conference in Vancouver to speak with a variety of companies in the cannabis space. Now, if you don't know what Gravitas Securities is, here's the deal. They're a full-service investment dealer active in the cannabis sector. Now, having raised over $250 million for over a dozen public and private companies, they continue to focus on opportunities in both Canada and the U.S. The format this week is a little bit different, and it's kind of fun. We'll take you to our CEO discussions at the busy conference. First up, we sit down with Joe Milton of Tilt Holdings, a vertically integrated, publicly traded company whose vision is to provide value to cannabis retailers through software, infrastructure, and more. Here's an interesting tidbit. The company announced $18.3 million of revenue in January alone. Here's Joel to tell us more. When we look at the U.S. cannabis market, we see 33 states, each with different rules and regulations, each one very different. So we talk about Canopy. In Massachusetts, you can't find wholesale product available, and so you need to grow your own. It's also very lucrative. We can grow it for $500 a pound and sell it for $6,000. That's a great business. Uh, you know, in Oregon, that same product is almost being given away at the wholesale level. And so, you know, when you think about Tilt, we look at this market and we figure out, how do we capture meaningful revenue across the country? It's gonna be a $100 billion market in the U.S. alone. For us, the best way to capture meaningful revenue is to put ourselves in the center, as you said, of that ecosystem. Um, and the way that we've done that is put together different businesses that take more of a B2B approach. Um, if there are 3,000 dispensaries right now in the U.S., and soon there'll be 10,000, owning 100 retail stores 100 out of 10,000 isn't meaningful market share. Um, but if we can support several thousand stores and brands, we can provide them with the hardware, the software, the distribution, the contract manufacturing, some of the cultivation, the product necessary to be sold in limited licensed markets, that becomes pretty fascinating. So let's talk about the ecosystem as, as, a, as a whole then and, and what's kind of plugged in and online today yes. and what the company plans on you know, evolving to yeah. as well. So uh, again, you know, the businesses that, that comprise Tilt are, are fairly mature. Um, so from a software standpoint, our software is in over one out of every three dispensaries across the U.S. Um, our distribution business touches 95% of the product in the state of Nevada. We're expanding that into seven states across the country. Uh, the hardware product, Jupiter, is probably one of some of the best known, if not the best known hardware for vape pens in the country. They manufacture all the vape pens for all the leading MSOs, all the way down to the large oil producers and, and small people as well. And so you know, Jupiter did $77 million last year in revenue. So these are already mature businesses now the fun part is integrating them um, so leveraging those thousand stores that are on our network now offering them distribution taking those same distribution trucks and instead of going to pick up 10,000 you know cartridges and drop them off show up with 10,000 unfilled cartridges and swap those out for filled ones and have it become a, a two-way transfer uh, and really leverage our expertise in manufacturing and, and production to help brands establish operations in new markets and then help them get distribution, which is ultimately the goal of shelf space. So as you mentioned at the top, there is different regulations state to state. Yes. It's treated as if it's its own country. Obviously, we can't go past state lines. So what is it like to put this type of a system, run it online, yeah. plug it in, in different states? How does that work? Well, that's the beauty of software. There are no state lines for software, right? So you know, we were able to get a presence in 28 different states fairly easily. Right. If you wanted to have 28 licenses in 28 different states and set up physical infrastructure, it would take you a decade and $100 million or more. And so again, that software 
becomes the Army Ranger, the front line that can cross boundaries quickly. And then from there, we build out. You know, from there, we offer distribution. From there, we offer hardware. From then, we can offer contract manufacturing, sort of build on that existing footprint. So that research and development, if you will, is maturing with the company, and it's getting you to a stage to implement it state by state. Yeah, absolutely right. Okay, interesting. Revenue numbers, big news out yeah, of Tilt. And as I mentioned, we're, we're not, you know, even though Tilt is new, the, the pieces within it are not. And so we posted $18.3 million in the month of January, which makes us the largest revenue-producing U.S. publicly traded cannabis company, right. uh, which is a big number. And then, you know, you look at our market cap, and there's a bit of a disconnect there. Uh, MedMen just came out today and, and posted uh, $29 million for the quarter. I mentioned we just did 18 in January. Uh, our market cap is still significantly less than theirs. And so if you look at, you know, Canaccord's projecting $400-plus million for us top line this year, if you look at that based on uh, what we know about our peers and where the market's trading, our market cap should be about $3 billion U.S. right now. And I think part of that disconnect is people just almost don't believe it. And that's why we were so excited to share January and say, hey guys, we're, we're doing it. And, and here we are. And, and here's how the pieces fit together. And, you know, I think also our story is a little more complex. It's not just here's how many stores we have, here's how many we're going to have. It's supply chain, it's, it's infrastructure, it's technology, it's hardware. And so not everyone wants to take the time to do the diligence. Um, but as we continue to post revenue numbers, we think people will start to pay attention. So it's the ancillary market to cannabis. You're not actually touching a lot of that flower. But at the same time, oh, we, are. we are. Absolutely. Well, if you want to be meaningful in the state of Massachusetts. You can't buy any wholesale, so you need to grow it yourself. And so we have uh, you know, up to 100,000 square feet coming online this year alone. Now that 100,000 square feet with our current, um, the way we're currently growing right now, that's gonna be about 55,000 pounds of flour on an annualized uh, basis by the end of this year. Our facility in Mass alone has a $300 million headline number to it, Theoretically, you know, just based on the, oh, and what we can grow, we're doing the same thing in Pennsylvania, the same thing in Illinois, and, and you know, other markets east of the Rockies, where you have this tremendous opportunity to take advantage of the limited supply. And you know, for us, cultivation makes a ton of sense in those states. And so, don't get us confused. Even though we are a B two B and service provider, we are very much cultivating cannabis. We are very much manufacturing products. We're just using some of our expertise on distribution and, and manufacturing to do that on behalf of other brands as well. We don't feel the need to just be a brand competing with everyone. We want to be the underlying infrastructure that powers this industry. Right. So you came out of the doors really, really quickly with some really good numbers. As you mentioned, you almost raised $120 million in December, so you have some uh, capital there. What are the use of proceeds looking like? Is it M&A strategy or is it G&A? It, it's definitely both. Um, so M&A, obviously, to open up new markets. Uh, the Jupiter acquisition uh, was obviously a big one for us. Uh, but then again, you know, acquiring like, these different licenses uh, in order to set up operations in these attractive markets east of the Rockies and then west of the Rockies where there's plenty of wholesale product available getting a production license and then using that to buy wholesale product, turn it into these value-added products, use our expertise in packaging and extraction, put it in the Jupiter hardware that we already own, put it on the back of the Blackbird trucks we already have, and distribute it to all the stores that are already on our network. Fascinating. So the next six months, exciting? Yes, very much so. All different plans of growth in different states? That's it, yeah. Organic, inorganic, uh, there's a ton of opportunity right now, and we believe we are our diversified approach puts us in a really good position to capture real, real meaningful revenue and market share. Yeah, well, I look forward to hearing the next Rev, man. Thank you so much. Thank really you. really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, Halo Labs. We speak with Kieran Sadu about how Halo started by perfecting their extraction technique and scaling up. Now, chances are when you enter a dispensary, you'll see Halo material in other branded products. So it's about execution on the scalability of the models. I don't know any one group, and there probably are those that can say, look, we've put out 3 million grams into consumer hands. 50,000 people a month use our products in one form or another. 
And lastly, we've done 30,000 runs. We've done CO2, we've done hydrocarbon, we've done chemical, we've even done um, solventless and physical, mechanical, everything. So has that evolved into any type of perfection that is kind of the formula for going forward? New facility, here's what we're gonna do. We do, That's you're absolutely right. We sort of like our California facility, sort of like looking at it as an iPhone. Oregon was iPhone 1, Nevada was iPhone 2, California's iPhone 3. So in California, in 2,000 square feet, we do three times the output we do in Oregon in 12,000 square feet. So we learn, evolve, compress, compact, and get more efficient. And it's just domain experience and knowledge and just fundamental business execution. So there's no cultivation that's going on. So another question is, what happens? Where do you source the biomass? And are there any problems with well, that? Well, we don't tell people this, but we, are, we have the largest site single cultivation in the state of Oregon, six acres in one area. In California, we contract our own grow. We grow all our own biomass there, but it only lasts us three months. <clears throat> but we grow to extract. So even when our farmers say, oh, can I have these beautiful buds on the top? We say, no, it's all going into extraction. Don't right? need a pretty flower with no, this stuff. No, so we just, um, you know, so we do grow, we do distribute, we do own brands, but we do all of that reluctantly. In a perfect world, you know, we'd like to work with, like we have the deal with Falcon, which was now acquired by Harvest, where we do custom product for them. We're doing custom product for Canis. Nectar, which is the largest dispensary chain in Oregon, we power all their white label. Lamoda, the second largest dispensary chain in Oregon, we power everything. We've just, um, you know, we announced last month a partnership with MedMed, where we power specific products in their dispensaries. So white label, and what the consumers need to know is that the chances are there's some products on the shelves that have your product fulfilling. Oh, absolutely, it. but we're not. We're there to deliver value of for course. our shareholders. We just stick to our knitting, keep our heads down, grow revenue month over month, and just put out really amazing, consistent cannabis oils and concentrates. Perfect, now quickly, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about what the future looks like, and also shine some light on you know, your statement before you said distillate is losing its shine. Right. So where does that evolve into, specifically for a company that's producing extracted oil? What, I, what I've been noticing is, you know, everyone says enter the soccer mom, enter the soccer mom. Well, in Washington, Colorado, Oregon, and California, the soccer mom's already there. And people are starting to understand that distillate is a lot like making a sausage. It's all the bits and bobs. So what I'm noticing in California and Oregon is a trend towards like live resin pens. Right, right, right. You know, personally myself, when I consume, I'll consume a live resin pen. It has a little bit of distillate in it, but the You're whole idea- You're getting the terpene profile. The, the, it's a little yeah, bit the cannabinoids, exactly. um, you know, all the cannabinoids, the more full of a health spectrum. And wellness, right? Right, right. Because a lot of people, you know, they smoke, you know, 90% THC and they're just zonked out. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there, you know, basically bobbing your lips. Whereas with a full cannabinoid product, you're actually functioning, you get the medicinal aspect, you get the CBD, you get, you know, you get the whole, you get the whole entourage effect, right? It's funny, there's a, there's a gentleman that uh, wrote the, the, basically the legislation for Colorado when they first regulated and came under, under you know, political non-interference for cannabis, if you will, and he compared it to prohibition, much like when we were producing moonshine. We just wanted to get to the highest percentage we could 
Whereas now, as the bell curve is arranging and the industry is maturing, we're starting to get that CBD, we're starting to get in line with what the plant is intended to do. So you think that the future of extraction will also go that route, where people are, and consumers are gonna want a wholesome product that makes them feel good, not just high. Yeah, and you know, I was on the phone this morning you know, getting very technical in talking about um, live resin runs and uh, how we purge the live resin in, a, in an oven. I mean, do we muffin? Don't we muffin? Do we do it at 75? How often do we do it? How do we get the residual solvent? You know, people want certain crystal formations and it's different from state to state. Yeah, right. Yeah, amazing. So yeah. what's the next, we can't go forward looking, but the next six months look like? I, I mean, it's just to get that, you know, our target this year is to grow from 10 million, which was only Oregon, to 50 million U.S. in revenues, which would include Nevada and mostly California. And it's really keeping our heads down this year and getting there while laying a foundation for 2020 through acquisition of some manufacturing capacity, hopefully in Canada, um, getting that joint venture we have in Africa going for, for uh, import into Europe, you know, getting all the CGMP procedures dialed in, getting the European pharmas down there in Africa, getting all the all the. So it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, you know. I'm excited. Well, I'm Good. excited to maybe we follow up in six months, man. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Take Appreciate care. your time. Right, thanks. We leave you this week with the story of Canavate. Now, Canavate is a company that plans on significantly improving the cannabis cultivation process. Ingo Muller talks about their IP or intellectual property in the cannabis space with a unique growing system. Here's Ingo with more. Canavate's business is we are an IP company uh, that's focused on cultivation. What the company has done over the course of the, the past year and a half is taken a conceptual IP and turn that into a development IP and then into an engineered IP. Um, and we're just about to complete the engineered phase. Um, the distinction is that a lot of people don't understand that an idea is just an idea, but the steps from taking an idea to an actual constructible and functional system is, is quite complex. And it's a, a very specific skill set. I've had the benefit of being the CEO of two businesses that have done that in various ways, right. industrially. And once you do understand how to do it, you realize that the fear that many investors might have about IP risk really can be managed through. So when people say, well, how do we know this is gonna work? I can tell you with a high degree of certainty that it will absolutely work. The only thing I might not be able to land on is, will it land 100% on our expectations? Right. It may exceed them, but the variability might only be 10 or 20%, either way. So we, we know it will work. Right. And, and to ensure that, we have brought together a world-class team of designers, engineers, contractors, constructors, many of whom are global leaders in, in their specific discipline. And dare I say we've been blessed um, to have them buy into our vision uh, to the point where several of them have actually invested in us. So we consider them partners and obviously that to me is just an added uh, means of guaranteeing that we get to where we need to be totally. successfully. So in terms of IP, because we're, let's, give, let's give some context to the audience about the systems that you have in place. I mean, the buildings are fascinating, but before that, uh, we've seen the industry mature and evolve, as you know, from square footage to funded capacity to kilograms to 
how do we evolve this, do it better, and cost less? Is that where we come in here? That, that's where we come in. So you have to look back at where cannabis came from. And cannabis has always been an illegal industry. People from that industry really only know what they know. And, and we like to say the industry came from you know, a closet to a basement, to a bigger basement, to a big building, to a giant building. Um, but there are inherent issues with respect to optimization and functionality um, when you're working within a, a, a square envelope design. And those challenges are significant. The industry doesn't talk about it that much. But there is a reason that Canopy Growth's production this quarter went down from last quarter. I mean, this is a company with a massive installed base of capacity. You read it in the press that Canada has a shortage of supply, that it's a supply chain issue. Well, you know, I'd argue that it's actually a cultivation issue. It's not as easy as people Infrastructure think. Infrastructure as opposed to grow? It, it, well, they, they, they work symbiotically. If you have uh, an environment that isn't optimized and exposes you to elements of risk, uh, you have a problem. So the IP was developed really to address the fundamental inherent challenges within agriculture, growing. Um, and so um, it's completely outside of the box. And that's why I like to say, you know, there are no longer three ways of cultivating cannabis, indoor, outdoor, greenhouse. There's now a fourth way, which is the Canavate way. So with the Canavate way, the hydrofilm uh, allows you to give full light spectrum to the plants, which is key. Correct. And then outside of that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from the first uh, time that you build the first facility, the build-out phase might only entail six months of time, is that correct? Yeah, one of the fundamental premises that we as a team have is that we believe we're ec we need to be economically responsible. Um, and, and so this idea that you build it and they will come, or this idea that you build gigafactories, to, to us is inherently bad business. Um, so we chose to design a building system which was modular, that we could scale based on real demand and based on access to markets. Instead of relying on one giant location to feed a country, a state, a region, uh, we can go to those markets and we can customize what we're growing and providing to that consumer base. And every consumer has different tastes and wants and desires. You know, California is not uh, Illinois, for right. example. Right. So um, we have done that and we've also focused on cost. One thing I learned in a, in a business I was involved in founding was a billion dollar market cap business. Um, going FTSE 100, we had half a billion in debt. We were in the iron ore and coal business. And uh, within a very short period of time, there were macro factors and then the big boys decided they would take advantage of that macro event and drove down production. Or, or sales prices. And, and the net result for us is, you know, we were in that sort of mid-price level producer um, category and we couldn't compete. Our margins got squeezed, our cash flow got squeezed, 
And we went out of business. We had 1,500 employees, and within the span of several months, went to zero. A travesty, but a reality. So I've, since that experience, I've always said, I want to be in that lowest cost quartile because I know I will always be relevant. Right, so I mean, the, the cost per gram, that grow cost is going to be significantly less than most of the right. systems that are online today. Yeah. We, we, we estimate, and of course, uh, at this point, it's just an estimate, but 50 cents a gram. When you look at the cannabis sector in California, you're actually, on average, costs are probably a little bit higher than in Canada. Um, so you're looking at about a buck fifty, um, maybe higher, two dollars. Um, and in Canada, you know, you've you've got people saying a dollar is a is a great place to be. Um, you're not seeing that. Aurora, I think, published at a buck ninety. Um, Africa always talks about eighty cents. I'm not sure they they're really there, but yeah, notwithstanding, yeah, notwithstanding, you know, significantly less expensive. Interesting. So, in terms of scalability, then automation is a big factor, and you're talking about a turnkey operation, almost. Yep. So, how do you automate that and then put it into different markets? So the the growth system is really designed around what's been going on in Europe for the latter ten years, last ten years. Um, Europe, of course, real estate's very expensive. Power is very expensive. You know, people approach production differently than they do here. And again, you know, the industry evolved here as a high margin business. People weren't necessarily looking for efficiencies. They built these giant infrastructure projects and now they're starting to realize, well, maybe commoditization is gonna take place. Maybe we ought to look at robotics and getting smarter. We said, okay, look, how do you deal with one of the inherent weaknesses of production? Labor, you've got two factors. You've got labor and you've got irregular production by virtue of just the harvest cycle. So we designed a system that's fully integrated. So integrated in terms of the way we deliver oxygen, the way we deliver CO2, the way we fertigate, all within to a moving system. So our plants go from a micropropagation lab to a veg area to harvest automatically every day. So once we start harvesting, we're harvesting daily. See, that's it's crazy to fat like I, you know the, the thought of that. So you can t you can pull some canopy, cultivate it every day. Every day. And what does that look like in terms of you know? I guess it depends on how large the facility is. Well, our standard facility is fifty six thousand square feet, of which twenty two thousand square feet is flowering area. Yeah. Um, and that twenty two thousand square feet of flowering area will produce close to nine thousand kilos. Wow. A just year. A, just a constant. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about the financing side. One of the biggest things that I found interesting about this story is that management stock is in escrow. And let's talk about the cap structure of that. It's based on profit. And so we're seeing a lot of IPOs, not necessarily ITO or RTOs right now, that are coming successful because there's a hold on that paper. However, this is meeting the criteria for profit. So run that through a little bit for people because I know that you're private now. That, I'm sure, will change. Yeah, I mean, our plan is obviously to ta eventually take advantage of the, uh, the capital markets. Um, and we understand that, you know, in order to access the type of capital we need to grow the business, investors want some form of comfort that management has bought in. Right. So, uh, skin in the game. Skin in the game. So, not only has the management team agreed to lock up some of our early stage uh, strategic investors, have also, in the case of management, we're locked up for uh, between three and four years, wow. sort of over a period of time. But we have a standard we've set with respect to EBITDA numbers in order to be able to release 
um, earlier if we succeed. And, right. and those, I think, hurdle rates are quite high. So first would be 20 million, uh, the next would be 40 million, and to get complete release, 60 million in EBITDA. It's a very interesting structure. I think it's great. I mean, the incentive, you have a long runway to fly with there. We do. We really believe that once we do prove this technology works as advertised, that the world is our oyster, that uh, you know, we have no doubt that there will be a lot of suitors for both as partners working to, to build their brands and potential acquirers. So let's talk about the next six months without forward-looking too much. What do you anticipate? Where do you want to take Canavate? Um, our, our key focus right now is building that first prototype facility, which is scheduled to be completed late this year in California, in Paris, California. Okay. Um, we have, I think I mentioned, three offtake agreements. Um, so we've got built-in profits there. So our focus is purely on execution uh, around those facilities. We have a few other offtakes in negotiation. Um, obviously, we want to grow our business, scale our business. We think we've got lots of opportunities to do that. Um, so near term, deliverability. It's all about delivering proof of concept. Yeah, and you're almost there. And we're almost there. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Cheers, man. Thanks. That was great. Thanks for joining us on TGSP this week. We hope you like the show. Don't forget to go to our website, www.thegreenscenepodcast.com, subscribe to us, and rate our podcast. We'll catch you next week.